This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Resources, LLC. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. Now, it's your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I am Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a special needs child or a child with disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It is just a different place. So you must go out and buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer is that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. This has been a good week in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, who are 19 and 17, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is a typical 14-year-old. Even though it's been a good week, our Christina has been having challenges with eye pain, and she has something called ocular migraines. So what that means to me as a mom is that I just need to make sure that she gets plenty of rest and that I give her painkillers for her ocular migraine. And this is a situation that we went through with her Oh, a year ago fall, and we had MRI, CT scans, she had dizziness problems, and all that cleared up. So (laughs) as mom, and having consulted all the experts, my conclusion is that this morning she had an ocular migraine. Today's going to be an exciting show. Our guest is another mom of a special needs child, Anna Bullard. Anna is the Director of Outreach and Advocacy for the Early Autism Project, We will discuss insurance coverage for autism and the passage for Ava's Law in Georgia. Also, later in the show, we will have a fellow mother of a special needs child, Kim Mueller, explain how to organize your child's medical records. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. And I am here with Anna Bullard. Today, we will discuss insurance coverage for autism. Anna, could you please introduce yourself to our audience and share a little bit of your personal story? I am the Director of Outreach and Advocacy at the Early Autism Project. And we actually have a clinic in Tampa, Florida, where we serve children with autism. um, And it's really exciting. Yes, and today we're going to discuss insurance coverage for autism, and you are an expert in that in the state of Georgia because your daughter has autism. Can you explain a little bit about your story, and then we'll get into how you went from being a parent to a public policy advocacy um, position. 
Can you explain a little bit about your story? Sure. It was a definitely an interesting ride uh, yes. these last few years. Um, my daughter, Ava, was diagnosed with autism at two and a half. And in Georgia, you know, it was interesting because we knew something was wrong with Ava. Uh, we couldn't find uh, a doctor that could help us to yes. figure out what was wrong with her. So our pediatrician said you need to have her hearing tested. He also did say you need to have her tested for autism, which I feel like really, you know, proud that he stepped out like that because that was a long time ago. Yes. And my children are older than yours are. And I kept receiving this. The Well, kids like that don't like tags or they don't like this. But no one ever said have them tested for autism. Now, your child is your Ava is ex- classic as far as her symptoms. Right. Tell, tell the audience a little bit about what you were experiencing as a mom. And what's neat is that was your second child. So you knew what a, a regular child should be like. Right. So we had Ellie, my firstborn. Um, Ellie was really a typical child, you know, and she was clingy to mama and daddy and uh, spoiled because she was the firstborn and we didn't yes. have anything else to do except, you know, play with her. Ava came along and Ava really didn't laugh or right. play with toys. And I wasn't, of course, you know, your first reaction as a mom is I need to read more to my child and you blame right. yourself. Yes. Um, yes. So that's really what I started thinking. OK, I need to put Ava in a play group. We need to be around other kids. Right. I'm not talking enough to her. And so, you know, we we went to my pediatrician. But this is what I say about most parents. When you go to your pediatrician, the guilt that you have already and then you have to say, you know, my child isn't talking. And what I said to my pediatrician was, my child cries when we sing happy birthday. And I don't mean a little cry. I mean screams bloody murder. So Ellie had had right. a birthday and Ava screamed and we couldn't console her. Yes. And so it was little things like that. She never pointed to anything. She would take your hand and, and reach and put your hand on the refrigerator. Right. She she never said a word. She never spoke. She didn't say mama or dad. No, no consonant right. sounds. And all that you would really think would be obvious, but I had never been around a child with autism. And so I I just wasn't sure what was going on. But it was becoming clearer because Ava was getting more frustrated because she could not speak. So she cried a lot. She slept about two hours a night. Oh, my. Um, And so, you know, as as a family, we really were struggling. And so we tried to, we went and had her hearing tested. We went, you know, to several different doctors. One doctor told me Ava was just weird. Um, (laughs) So that was really nice. That was real scientific. (laughs) Yeah, that was really great. Another another doctor, actually, I had her in my lap and we had waited so long in the waiting room. She had cried and she was exhausted and fell asleep. And I went back there and he said, you know, she doesn't have autism because kids with autism don't express love. And so she wouldn't be sitting in your your lap um, if she had autism. I mean, just absolutely <laughs> absurd things that that as a mother, I'm thinking you're the professional. Right. Um, so I had to actually fight to find somebody. I found a developmental pediatrician that had eight months waiting list. I called and called and called. My insurance wouldn't cover the assessment. Right. I told her I'd pay cash. It was five hundred dollars. And I called, I guess, probably till they were annoyed and they had a cancellation. I, I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really, she asked a set of questions. I answered some you know, questions before I got there. And uh, when we sat down, she she said, you know, I think, you know, your daughter has autism. Uh. And um, uh, it it was almost a relief just right. to know that, OK, I want to now we can move forward. And so my next big question, I had done some research, you know, was 
you know, applied behavior analysis seems to be the treatment of choice. Right. It's what, you know, doctors are prescribing. Where do I go get it? Just like anything else you would you would take right. your child, they would diagnose them, and then you would go get them the, the treatment or the medicine they needed. And the developmental pediatrician said, you'll never be able to afford that here in Georgia, wow. and your insurance won't cover it. Wow. So at that point, where did you go? So at that point, I really, I, I was devastated, I think, more that, that my insurance wouldn't cover it than, because I really knew the diagnosis was like, okay, I can see a path forward, but, but then it's like being slammed into a, a, a wall. concrete wall, yes. you know, and there's, there's no doors or windows, you're just stuck. And the really part, the part that was, is the saddest to me for our kids with autism is my, like my Ava, you know, we got the treatment for her. Right. Um, and she made tremendous progress. Yes. So to know there's a treatment out there that works for our kids, that so many of them can make such huge gains at different levels. My child learned to speak. You know, you you know that to me is something I could never put a price on. But honestly, it was only about two or three years of intensive therapy. Right. It wasn't a lifetime the way that, you know, insurance companies, I think, you know, sometimes I've been in lots of hearings yes. where they, you know, it make it seem like kids with autism need hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of treatment forever. Right. It's not that at all. Right. And because you got the interventions, your child is basically a normal child. She she is. I say she's definitely um, she definitely still has autism uh, within traits that I think are just autistic traits, yes. you know, yes. but. To everyone on the outside, Ava definitely is a typical kid. She goes to school. She's in a regular ed classroom. She has friends. She goes to birthday parties. Um, And I say all those things just because those were the things that as a parent, everybody, you know, talks about wanting their kid to go to college or, you know, be something great. And for me, you know, people said, oh, Albert Einstein had autism. And I just wanted my kid, I just wanted Ava to be able to say, I want juice. Right, right. Yes, I've been there <laughs> on some of those things. Now, when you were going through therapy, explain to them what it took for her to learn to call you mom. Because mine did call me mom until they were about two. I didn't get my first hug from my oldest until she was 22, 21 months old. So tell them just like what it, what it, what you went through for mom. You know, I felt really selfish asking the therapist to help me help Ava say mama. Um you know, because Ava didn't have any words at three years old. And right. uh, so we had started working on some functional things like cup and juice. And so finally, I just said, can we teach her how to say mama? And the therapist, uh, you know, said, absolutely, let's let's do this. And so we started working on that where she would really hold Ava back and point to me and say mama and get Ava to to try to repeat her and then let her run to me. And um, we did that for weeks and weeks. And one day I came around the corner where she was doing therapy and the therapist stopped Ava and pointed to me and Ava just spontaneously said, mama. Wow. And um, I really, I I look back, I probably still could cry. It really was an incredible day for me just because, you know, I don't know why it means so much for your child to call you, but it, it means a lot. It's a connection. Because you finally feel like you connected with your child. She saw you, she acknowledged you, and she called you the name that you expect to be called. Right. And I'm sure you're like me. You have lots of friends that haven't gotten a hug and that haven't been called mom. So, I don't know. I felt blessed that that is one of those things that has happened for us. This is Julie Ames. I'm here with Anna Bullard. We're on AM860, The Answer. We'll be right back in a moment with more of the Special Needs Family Hour. 
to reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. And I'm here with Anna Bullard. We have been discussing autism, and early on, her daughter at two years old was diagnosed with autism, and... Anna was told that she, the insurance didn't cover it and that she probably couldn't afford the treatments. But Anna found help for her daughter and, through a lot of hard work, was able to make sure untold thousands of others in the state of Georgia also received treatment for autism. So what I'm curious, Anna, is how did you go from receiving that diagnosis to the public policy advocacy side of autism? Can you explain a little bit about that story? Sure. You know, it was, it definitely uh, has been a learning experience because when your child is diagnosed with autism or any other, you know, uh, issue that is challenging, to find out that you need to go to your state capitol and address that issue with your legislators is very uh, overwhelming. I would think it would be very intimidating. Absolutely. And so, a friend of mine uh, that I that I know at Autism Speaks actually uh, had worked on the bill in South Carolina, and it's actually named after her son, Ryan's Law. Okay. And so um, I reached out to her, and she said, absolutely, you need to pass a bill in your own state, and Autism Speaks will be uh, very excited to help you, support you. Oh, wow. Um, and there were actually already a few families working on it um, at the time, and so I went up there. Uh, to join them, not really knowing what I was getting into right. and not really knowing that seven years later I would still be there. <laughs> um, so it sounded like a good idea. We'll just get a bill passed. That's no problem. Right. That's right, because who wouldn't want a child with autism to access medically necessary treatment that yes. changes the trajectory of their life from not being able to speak, not being able to be independent, contribute to their communities, attend school to a child who can do those things. Right. That's what intensive treatment does. That's not what a school-based service does. School is a, a piece of a child's every child's life, but right. health care is a piece of all our lives. And we get health. The reason I have insurance is for the things I can't control. Right. And autism is to no fault of any family, and it's nothing that you can control. Correct. So it fits the mold for why you buy insurance. <laughs> so when you your child is diagnosed, um, with which one in 68 children are diagnosed now, right. varying levels of severity, but you you expect your insurance to kick in and provide the medical necessity, you know, that they would for any other diagnosis. Yes. So now what I don't know the audience realizes is that a lot of legislators say, well, the school will take care of it. The school, like you said, is one part of it. Your child, when you went through intensive therapy, explain to the, our listeners what that entailed. Because that was 40 hours a week, correct? Right. So, yes, it, it's, you know, we started applied behavior analysis, which is commonly known as ABA, which is what our pediatrician told us to do. Right. Uh, we started that with Ava at two and a half uh, 
really 30 to 40 hours a week. And we started with the Early Autism Project because there in Georgia, there were really no providers. Right. Because there was no way they weren't in Georgia because nobody could pay for the service. So we got them to come from South Carolina. Uh, they we actually hired a therapist of our, on our own in Georgia yes. and they trained them. And we worked 30 to 40 hours a week uh, those first two years for Ava, really until she started going to pre-K. Um, she was in our home receiving very intensive therapy. And that therapy looks like this. Someone is coming in working one on one with your child. A behavior analyst right. is doing an assessment and coming back every two weeks to reassess to develop new programs, right. you know, to add, to take away based on your child's skill level, based on the 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 way that they learn, how quick they learn. So it's an ever-changing program that's all about behavior, and it can be very yes. complicated. Yes. Um, so, you know, it was as a parent, you have to throw all your parenting skills um, out the window, um, and <laughs> that's hard too, you right. know. Because um, you're having to readjust to providing different parameters for your child. That's right, because that therapy is about high repetition, um, and it's about, you know, Ava ha- Ava was having to learn that the way to get things is to communicate with words and sign language. Yes. And that's not, with kids with autism, a lot of times naturally that's not what they want to do. Right. They just want to go inside themselves and stay there. And a lot of times, though, you know, crying has gotten them what they wanted for so long it's it's you know it's all they know to do yes you know yes now how much does therapy like that how much can that cost what's a, a price range on that for parents just so, so they'll have under an idea of what we're talking about right so out of pocket you know if you were paying for everything um some families pay upwards twenty thirty forty thousand dollars a year depending on the intensity that their child needs for us the first year was the most expensive because Ava needed the most therapy. Right. Um, so upwards of $30,000, you know. Um, the average parent cannot afford that. My husband right. was a teacher. I was a stay-at-home mom. Yes. So, you know, for us, we um, started doing different things. We, you know, our church was a huge blessing to us. Yes. My parents uh, provided a lot of, of financial support for Ava. Um, you know, our community really helped us. But we put a lot on credit cards. Right. You know, we we did what we had to do because for me, if there was a chance that Ava could talk, yes, I was going to give it to her. And you did. I did. That's right. And she is an amazing, amazing <laughs> child. When I think about how hard she worked, right, it's it's really uh, amazing. So not only did you help Ava. So now we're back. We'll go back to the legislature. So you're there. <laughs> you're working on it for seven years. And you had the governor on your side, the lieutenant governor on your side, I think the Senate president on your side. Yeah. So my uncle was actually Senate pro temp when we started. Uh, So he was pretty high up in leadership, um, uh, Tommy Williams. And he really saw what treatment did for Ava. So he had firsthand experience on the life, you know, the change that happened for her. So the Senate, um, you know, really could could uh, hear his story. Right. You know, uh, and so from there, every year, this more and more senators got behind us. Uh, The lieutenant governor, you know, was was a strong supporter and he supports disabilities so much in Georgia. Yes. The House, uh, we never made it out of committee. So basically for seven years, it stayed in committee. And finally, when it did come up for a vote, which was this past spring right 
it passed. It passed. So, and, and what was the date of that? Sign in that that was April 2nd, you know, when the governor signed it and Ava was there. And and it was it was an incredible day in Georgia, you know, because just like all states, you know, we were the 41st state to pass insurance legislation. So your state passed it a long time ago, back in 2008. Yes. Uh, So so way ahead of the the curve here, you know. But for us, our children in the state of Georgia have not had access. And so a lot of those children, you know are are just missing out on incredible opportunities and it's not right and and what's going to happen though is if they don't get the intervention now they're not going to they're going to cost the state more money later well what right what we do know um is that uh children who don't receive treatment uh they they need a lot more care right for the rest of their life you know and so uh, you know, for for me, when I was talking to legislators about Ava's law and just saying, you know, if if you're not moved in your heart that this two or three year old child who can't speak could learn how to speak and insurance is denying what a doctor is prescribing for them to right. have. If that doesn't move you, then just being a fiscal conservative uh, and you should you should be moved by that because. Right. These are working families paying insurance premiums that can't access health care coverage for their child for nothing, for no fault of their own. And yes. so, um, you know, we finally we finally passed by the skin of our teeth, honestly. Yes. And it, it is sadly the bill for behavioral therapy is capped at six. Okay. Uh, your bill here in Florida is through age 18. Right. And so, you know, I think that we still have a lot of work to do. And I'm sure you do, too, here. You know, I mean, there are many states where, you know, for me, my dream is that kids are diagnosed and here, this is where you go and, you know, you get yes. your treatment just like anything else. Well, I think one of the ironies, too, about the state of Georgia is you had you have um, top research on autism right there in Atlanta. Right. So the Marcus Autism Center is recognized nationally for their research in autism. And so and they received government money for their autism research. That's right. They, they received state dollars for their for, you know, for their center. And so to have that incredible center, you know, um, and, for you know, for research and uh, to still have all of that data. And, and we have the CDC as well right. and, and all of the data that comes out of there. And yes. we, um, you know, really, it's about politics right and politics trumped in georgia for seven years over children and thankfully we had a breakthrough this year and we have a lot of great people to thank for that well what kind of advice would you give to other parents you know i think the most important thing is when you are your child is diagnosed with autism uh it's not a hopeless situation you know i know it right it, it can feel that way sometimes and uh, parents get very overwhelmed uh, because navigating autism right now in any state is not easy. Whether you know it because insurance is different in every state, Medicaid is different in every state. Yes. Um, so that's really one of the reasons the Early Autism Project asked me to come on board with them and is to help parents navigate through the complicated system and advocate with them for really medical necessity for uh, to understand, you know, yes. to know that that there is hope, you know, because Ava is a, a great story of hope. Yes. And um, we want every parent to feel that. And at the Early Autism Project, we want parents to know that wherever they're at, 
you know, we want to support them, you know. Um, yes, and the Early Autism Project is located in several states. That's right. We we serve kids in about eight states, which is really incredible, you know, um, because we serve a lot of military families. So when they transfer, we're able to follow that child a lot of times, yes. which I think is very meaningful because uh, families, it's hard to, you know, once you've built a relationship to, to change and for your child to cha- transition. So, right. Um, I, I would tell parents advocacy is so important. You know, uh, I, I've always believed that one person can make a difference, and you could be that one person who yes. changes a, a lot of lives. And what's interesting about it is you don't know that you're going to be that one person. You just think right. something sounds like a good idea, and you pursue it. Right. Well, Anna, I have been wanting Anna to be on the show since I met you a couple months ago to talk about Avis Law, and I'm so excited that you could be here today. Thank you so much for coming. Is there a website or your information where people can contact you? Absolutely. The Early Autism Project has a website. It's just earlyautismproject.com. My my name and my phone number and my email is on there. And so you can definitely uh, get in contact with me if you have questions about your insurance, about, you know, problems with your insurance or, or, you know, just anything uh, that you feel like you need support in. Uh, I definitely want to be that for parents. Well, thank you so much. This is Julie Ames, the host of the Special Needs Family Hour. We'll be back in a moment. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. That's SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. Hi, this is Julie Ames, the host of the Special Needs Family Hour, and I'm here with Kim Mueller. Kim, I know from Buddy Baseball, our children go to school. She did an awesome presentation last fall for our school all about getting organized to include your medical notes. So she has been gracious to come in today to help us get organized. So, Kim, would you like to introduce yourself and tell a little bit how you came to be in such great, so good at organizing? Farthest from the organized. But, uh, yes, I'm, I'm Kim Mueller, and my husband Dennis and I are the proud parents of two children. Uh, Zachary is here with us today. Yes, and Zachary was on our Buddy Baseball show yep. recently. Um, he's 19, and he has Down syndrome, and he just graduated um, from Focus Academy High School, which is a wonderful public charter school right there in Temple Terrace, blocks away from my house. Um, and what he'll do is he'll attend the transition program for the next three years until he ages out. Right. And our daughter, Samantha, is 22, and she just graduated from college. She's, a, she's in Chicago. She graduated from Northwestern University with uh, a double major in theater and English and is an accomplished playwright. And she'll stay there. She'll reside in Chicago. And a lot of this will play into the fact that she is there and not here. Right. So right. all of this has an end game. You'll, you'll catch on. And so today I'm going to talk about the importance of organizing your medical files. Um, yes. Not only that, but also the school files as well. Yes. Because that plays into not only your current needs, but your future needs. And like I said, you'll you'll right. see how it all ties well, in. My husband always says, well, if you're not around, 
what do I do? Right. And uh-huh. and so what I have done, and I call them my big white books, because they're two three-inch binder books. Okay. And, and they're kept where it's easily accessible. Yes. Um, I started keeping the first book was with the early intervention stuff. When we were in Chicago, we were at Easter Seals, and they would have the list of goals and objectives and the milestones. Right. And, you know, every parent's going to remember when their baby first said mama, dada, walked or crawled. I, I couldn't remember that. So I kept... I couldn't either. <laughs> if you ask me now when he did all that or even when my daughter did all that, I couldn't tell you. I know. But I, I just kept it in a book. And then when we moved here, then come out the IEPs. Right. And I kept them all. And IEPs are pretty lengthy. Yes, they need they a double side copy of these things because my one inch binder grew to three inch yes. pretty quick. And the standard joke was in my house if I dropped dead tomorrow, my husband could pick up where I left off. Right. But then, it, then we decided, well, I think we better do the medical papers. Yes. I, I didn't do it. When, when he was first born, um, he has, uh, with Down syndrome, 60% of them have a heart defect. And right. He, he is one of those percentage points. Um, yes. He has a pretty major heart de- uh, de- heart defect. And so back in the day, it was a spiral notebook. Computers really weren't out there yet. Right. It was a spiral notebook. And every time we went to the cardiologist, I would list the date and what the oxygen levels were or whatever. And so I had right. it, it. He was basically our primary caregiver. We were there weekly. Yes. And so I would list what what the date was, what his oxygen levels were. And if there was a report, I stuffed it into a folder. Right. Or when he did the neurologist, I put the doctor's name, the date, and if there was any reports, right. into a folder. No big white book at that point. Yes. And so, I mean, he had cardiologists, neurologists, ENTs eye surgery. So I had all these forms. Yes. And then we moved here and we had to establish new doctors. Well, you know, every time you go see a doctor, they want to know the medical history. Oh, yes. And so, you know, before we moved, we had uh, the computer. So we put it, I put it all into a word program. Right. And I had it a list and it listed all the doctors and it listed what the results were if I had them. And instead of filling the form out, that six-page form on the clipboard with the pen, I just handed him the sheet of paper, and it listed all the doctor's appointments. Yes. Made it easier to fill out what, a form. What a great idea. You know, I got tired of writing the same thing down. I mean, he had two major heart surgeries. He had heart catheterizations, and I could probably tell you now the dates of all of those. Right. Just from... Writing them down. Writing them down all those times. And I finally, this is ridiculous. And so yes. it just made it, it made it easier on the office staff. Here it is. Or right. the doctor. I brought the spiral notebook before it was put into. Yes, before the computer. Here, copy, copy out of my spiral notebook. Yes. But, um, yeah, we, 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 we moved on to the, yes. the new century of computers. And but so, what a time saver. It really was. Hi, I'm Julie Ames, the host of the Special Needs Family Hour, and I'm here with Kim Mueller. Now, Kim, why have you found those notebooks so important? Well, a lot of reasons. I... I we just had to have one spot yes. where everything was. I am not an organized person, but I'm not terribly cluttered and stuff. But, I mean, it was all in one drawer, and I went, this has to be done. And what I actually did was I put it by cardiologist. Right. I put it by neurologist. And, and like, when he, when we moved down here, 
We right. had to establish new doctors and a new cardiologist. And fortunately, University of Chicago had given us some surgical notes and whatnot. So Great. when we met with the cardiologist, and I was able to bring the forms. And that saved them time and saved me time from having to call University of Chicago Yes. Where they charge you a dollar a page, any hospital will do that. Not just a phenomenal right. hospital. Right. Sorry. Um, but you're better off to get the reports when they do it, yeah. and you're not charged for it. Right. And so what what they needed, I had. Yes. Was it everything? No. But I've learned. So yes, in the years too. I've dealt with all children's, with the cardiologists, I now have the few, a full stack of paperwork from them. Right. But... We kept everything in there. If he had, he's he was relatively healthy when we moved down here for a kid yes. with Downs and a heart defect, and um, so there were occasional trips to the clinics. There was occasional trip to the ER, isolation for a week, and I had the discharge papers yes. once again in the folder. Yes, and regular checkups, uh, vaccination records, right? Um, Special Olympics forms, and I made copies of those, so yes. I had copies. And that plays into also tying in later on. Um, so when I did the big white book, it, it was like, whew, now I felt better. Because once again, if I drop dead tomorrow or with all of our family in Chicago. Right. He's the only one left. If, you know, right. And my daughter is out there in college. Well, now she's graduating, graduated. But if something happens to both of you, yes. she's going to need one of those Medical notebooks. files are all there. So... If we ever, like some of the medical files and stuff, so here's what works for us. Right. If we ever decided to do like a Down syndrome clinic. Right. In my school book, I have all his milestones from early on. Correct. Will I ever do that? I don't know. Now, what is a Down syndrome clinic? Well, they have clinics throughout the country that we've kind of looked at, and they'll do just evaluations and seeing where they are. Okay, like, like a, a step, a place in time. Right. And here's where we are and where right. your condition is. And also, adults with Down syndrome have a higher rate of early onset Alzheimer's. Yes. So, they were all, all his milestones when he mm-hmm. walked, when he talked, when, you know, and obviously they were all delayed, but... Right, but, but there's always research being done. Right, right. So here's the paperwork for any doctor that wants the research, you know. Correct. Um, also, I, you know, it was interesting when my daughter made a rear visit home, about, well, it was last year, and it was in September... And I was telling her, this is where everything is. The big white books are here. The life insurance policies are here. These are the changes we've made. And she was 21 at the time. And she kind of looked at me. She said, Mom, this is really kind of (laughs) morbid. And I said, well. Yes, it is. it, It is. And ironically, it was September 11th. And I looked at her and I said, okay, do you think 3,000 people went to work that day thinking they uh, weren't coming home? And all mm. these family members are now scrambling to find where are the papers that I need yes. to move on. Yes. And she, for once, had nothing to say. She just kind of looked at me and like, it is what it is, babe. Right. You know, and right. I'm trying to make it easy on her. And unfortunately, I have yet to make a will. So shame on me. That's next. Yes. But... We're going to have a show about that. Well, that's good, because I need to do that. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we take a break? Okay. This is Julie Ames, the host of the Special Needs Family Hour here on AM860, The Answer. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813 816 
888-888-2637 or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. Hi, this is Julie Ames, the host of the Special Needs Family Hour, and I'm here with Kim Mueller. She is an expert when it comes to keeping track of your medical records and being organized. And what's important about this is it's not just for dealing with doctors and nurses, but this has to do with Social Security and other things. You're right. When some some people can qualify for SSI benefits, supplemental security income benefits, yes, um, when the children are under 18, and that is um, income based on the parents, right? Which Zachary did get early on, yeah. and so I I had been through that process a little bit, and and um, and then once my husband made just above the poverty level, then they dropped his SSI benefits. Right. But when they turn 18, they are now an adult and they can qualify just on their own. No longer Correct. are the parents' incomes included. Right. So, Because if you weren't there, what would happen? Right, right. So I, I'm not an SSI expert. I won't, you know, I'm telling you it worked for me. Yes. When he was 18, we called SSI and we made the appointment to go in and... I was far enough in advance because I wanted the early one and I yes. wanted when he was off of school. So we waited a month and sometimes it is that long, right. depending on which site you go to. And they sent information. This is what they wanted. And lo and right. behold, what was one of the forms they sent was medical appointments. <laughs> <laughs> I got yes. this one. I got this one covered. And they didn't really specify everything. But I had known from another mom from Buddy Baseball and School, right. Phyllis. Yes. And she said, okay, so bring him with. He's going to be the prop. Yes. And there's proof. And you need to have a state ID. And you need to have a checking account. And right. you need to have your medical forms. And so instead of filling out this little worksheet they gave you, I was able to pull the forms out of the big white book. Yay. And he had just recently undergone some stent surgery or procedures. Right. And so I had called in all the reports from all the time he'd been at all children's and they're like well you know social security will do that you don't have to pay for it I'm like you don't understand i have a big white book i need i need to have those forms <laughs> for yourself for when i'm no longer there and his next heart procedure has to be done there it is so i'm yes. okay with paying whatever it was it was quite a few forms I'm so sure. when i was going to ssi i took all those pages out of the book and i scanned them and mm. i gave them the originals whether it was from the discharge papers to the chromosome report. And, right. and I, I will tell you right now, for those parents of children with Down syndrome, get that chromosome report. It's not something that doctors normally give you, but for some reason, Social Security would like that. Yes. As if proof wasn't enough, as they're sitting there staring at my child who has Down syndrome, and every single form, right. school form, psyche veil, right. everything says Down syndrome. They wanted a chromosome report. But I had that from when he first qualified when he was born. Yes. And uh, I was fortunate because the hospital wanted to charge you for that. And my brother was dating the girl in the office and she pulled the report. <laughs> so it all worked out well. Yes. So I walked in there with the chromosome report. 
the psyche vowels that yes. were in the school book, right? Because the schools did the psyche vowels when he was in elementary school. Yes. I had the most current IEP. I had the checking account information. He had his state ID, and I had this stack of medical reports. And I said, "You may have these. These are the originals. They came straight from the hospital." Wow! And she just took one look at that. And went, "Hell, okay then." There's a lot of papers here. They're probably going to take one look at it and go, okay. Personally, I think. And the they did say. <clears throat> and two weeks later, there was his money in his account. That worked for me. Yes. I've heard of nightmares from other people. Yes. Amazing um, what organized being organized will accomplish. I, I, you know, the one, the one went in and they said he wasn't Down syndrome enough. Really? <laughs> have, have you not seen this child? But I think it all depends on the agent you get. Yes. And you know what? Some people have done it all online. It worked for them. This works for me. My child's disability is pretty cut and dry. Right. You're, you're going to get children that have are on the autistic spectrum that may be a lot more difficult to prove their disability or length of disability. Right. But mine is easy enough to figure that one out. Right. So like I said, what works for me might not work for the next person, but I'm just telling you it worked for me. Right. It doesn't hurt to be organized. It doesn't. And, and you well, know. You've had, you've had other personal situations or friends that have also encouraged you to be organized. Well, we've had... We've had family circumstances where you just never would think someone's going to not be there on their thirtieth birthday. We've, you know, uh-huh. we've had sickness. We've had many, many scenarios in our life that people go through, and we've learned from that. Yes. Um, recently, well, not recently, well, a couple of years ago, my husband's coworker had a stroke. Right. She was a computer person. She was an accountant. She did everything online. Uh-oh. All of a sudden, she can't access any of her files. She's she's is a stroke victim. She doesn't have any oh short term. She has no memory. Right. Working on it. So family comes down from New York. They after some nursing home time where, where I was yes. there because they had to go back to New York. I was maintaining her house. It wasn't every day. I'd go up there. We were trying to stage the house to sell. Right. I show up one day. There's no electricity on. She paid her bills electronically. Power's uh-huh. off. Refrigerator's ugly. The pool is green. Oh my! We get. The, I call. I call up North, and she gets it all squared off. Next time the inspector's coming, the gas is off. She paid that online too. Wow! So, and then her medical premiums were paid online as well. So everything, all all of a sudden, everything was falling apart. Yes. So you need to find someone trusted. You need. To give them your passwords. I have know a password book. Have a password book. Um, it just, I, I mean, my husband knows mine. I know his. I have nothing to hide. Right. So I don't care if he logs on. I'm hardly ever on Facebook. And, and that's another thing, social media. Right. Where you can live forever. Where, because let me tell you, it's really a freaky thing when you're on Facebook and a, a, a message posts on your and a loved one's site who has been gone for two years, wishing them happy birthday, and it's just Ew. freaky. Yes. So I had to unfriend it. I couldn't do it. Who would have thought that it would keep going? It would. So you, you just really, if you have any kind of social media password, and if you don't want to live on in perpetuity, give someone that password so they can close it down. Right. Unless you have some strange reason for keeping it open after you're gone. Right. Right. Or or incapacitated. So. That was 
that was our learning experience. The death, unexpected death of a loved one, um, an unexpected illness from a co-worker. Yes. That's just what we did. I mean, it was important to us and and yes. so... Thank you, Kim, for sharing with us on how to organize our medical records. This is Julie Ames, the host of the Special Needs Family Hour, right here on AM 860, The Answer. Join us next week. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we made available. And if you're so inclined... Please support the advertisers that support this program. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1 for the Special Needs Family Hour, only on AM 860. The Answer.